What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Clint Woodside from Deadbeat Club. Hey, Clint, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. <laughs> it's really good to have you back because I'll let the listeners know we had a little technical difficulty the last time. Yeah. So I'm excited to get back into it. Um, but Another before... one chalked up into the lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a background on yourself and how you got started in photography and all that stuff? I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I started learning photography in high school. There was a dark room in my high school and pretty much like the second I started working in the dark room, I was kind of hooked. Um mm. And it was just a fun thing to take pictures of friends and sh- and pictures at shows and various random dumb things. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, I think kind of, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, just a lot of growing up in Buffalo. Eventually moved to New York City and uh, went to school uh, for graphic design there. And then lived a life in graphic design for quite some time and had a meltdown and mm-hmm, went back to say, photography. How was yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, kind of rough. Walked away from all that and then started taking pictures again probably about probably about 15 years ago now. Uh, and kind of been feeling a lot better about that than anything else, I think. So <laughs> I stuck yeah. with that. Yeah. Now, have you, have you always been on film or were you digital for a while? Like most Well, of yeah. So when I... I mean, I'm, I'm 43, so I grew up and there wasn't, like, digital, there was rumors of it, but in reality, it really wasn't happening at all. Like, when I moved to New York, there was this one, we got a tour of this one fancy uh, photo studio, and they had, like, a $20,000, dollars 
digital camera that probably took like the crappiest photos at right the time. yeah <laughs> it's like so anyway yeah so anyway like when i was growing up all there was was film there was no such thing as digital really and um so i mean i had no choice in the beginning and then when i came back digital digital took over the world while i yeah. was while i was on my you know we'll call it a hiatus i guess and um when i came back i bought like one digital camera and was kind of just taking photos with that and just didn't feel the way I remembered and felt comfortable. Mm. So I just went back to film and, you know, it just, it's where I eat and sleep right now. I've been trying some of these new guys, some of these mirrorless guys and these medium format ones, kind of running them out. And I shoot with a Leica M7 now. So I like, I rented the M10 to see like if it felt right or anything. How's that? It's, it's cool. It, didn't it still didn't feel like i mean it's probably you know it felt i don't know i just didn't have anything that felt yeah right you know but i've also been shooting with a mamiya 7 which is a medium format camera a 67 and i rented those new that new fuji medium format that is like really uh really uh compact mm. it's the i don't know the I, I know which one you mean. I can't think of the name. I either. think it's I the 50. Like there's it. a 50R and a 50S, but this is really mm. nerdy talk. So everybody who's listening, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, I gave that a shot and that felt a little more comfortable than the uh, than even the, the Leica one. So I think I, I don't know. I haven't been sold on any of it yet, though. Where did yeah. you rent the, the, the M10? Uh, just online. This place called Lens Rentals. I'm so curious. I've seen like amazing things come out of that. And yeah, I just, just want to see how it feels. My friend Cheryl, she I did a zine called This is What Democracy Looks Like. And it's uh, a, a huge chunk of it is it's by this woman, Cheryl Dunn. A huge chunk of it is uh, protest photos. And a lot of it is shot on a yeah. like a monochrome that. Nice. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. black and white, like sh- it is amazingly yeah. beautiful photos. And so, like, you know, I'm not shitting on it at all. I think uh, there's def- obviously there's. There's things to be said about this new wave and like the new crop of digital cameras that seem a little more respectful to traditions of photography. Yeah, I know Leica. Leica just came out with another. I think it is an M10 as well, but it's it doesn't have a digital back. Yeah, it doesn't have an LCD screen, yeah. and it has a film winder, which is which is kind of crazy too. Well, what's funny is I was using that that new Leica M10. It's the M10P is what I was using, and P. I think that mm. new one is the M10D or something like D. that. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, it's an it's M10 one of those letters something. And uh, yes. mine that I was renting was. It, it the point of this one is that it's quieter than uh the M10 I guess is what the main thing everybody oh and it has touch screen uh on the back so I was shooting oh, okay. with it the whole time and I would never look yeah at the screen after I took the photo to see if it was a good photo or not so it was like kind of <laughs> like I don't I, I I feel like I could use that M the one without the back and yeah for sure you know but I feel like also you know if you have the option yeah, exactly yeah, you, you probably well, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd like to have it you right know? exactly I don't, know. I don't know anyway nerd talk <laughs> well it, it makes sense that you you know you have a graphic design background because i mean like we we should definitely talk about deadbeat club mm. because i'm a fan i'm a fan yeah thank you thank you guys <laughs> how did how did that all come about how did deadbeat come start deadbeat club is kind of 
a weird story. Um, I started, I was making zines since like the early 90s and mm. various like pictures of hardcore bands and like all these like various punk zines and whatever. And I would submit photos for that. And so I was making zines forever. When I moved to LA, I was selling zines through, mostly through um, this collective I was part of called Space 1026 when I was living in Philadelphia. I lived in Philly for like 10 years before I moved here to LA Philly. yeah <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania so Philly oh, nice. was like yeah nice what part uh like Lancaster yeah. Lebanon, Lancaster area yeah sick mm. okay you used to go there for shows a ton oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you know Alex T yeah oh my god there yeah, you yeah. Writing? yeah there you go there that's you go. so nuts <laughs> yep. I I have a scar on my forehead from his basement he, yep. he used to have that or it was a garage or basement it was I a forgot. basement there, his parents basement yeah. he'd have all mm-hmm. those crazy shows and and Albatross was playing there one night, and I was just out of my mind, and I banged my head right off the, the beam and had to go to the ER. Was... There's a very strong chance that I was at that show. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure. That would be insane. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's, That's so It's crazy. not as insane as you think. Like, the way things work yeah. in the DIY punk scene, it's the various, like, it's very, True. it's a family affair. Like, it's pretty it funny. Is. That's yeah. awesome, man. One That's of my so favorite cool. shows that I've ever been to was this band Stop It, who are friends from, they were from Richmond. And then, uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, Yafet <laughs> Koto, which is a band from, uh, oh, okay. Oakland. They played yeah. in the basement and it was like one of the most epic shows I've ever seen. It was uh, in Alex T's basement. So anyway, yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Alex Small T. Small world, yeah, guys. That, no shit. That's I haven't crazy. talked to Alex yeah. in forever, but you know. No, me neither. I haven't. I mean, it's probably been about. 20 years probably something like that 15 years yeah Yeah. Yeah. crazy yeah uh anyway so we're oh yeah so (laughs) 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 what were we saying oh yeah zines so forever i was making zines at of like shows and whatever and i joined an artist collective in philadelphia called space 1026 and they were big on silk screening and making zines and making more like smaller run art, like, but still like mass produced art and things for the people. Um, and that, so I was selling a lot of stuff through them. And because I moved here, I didn't really have as much of an outlet. And at the same time, and it, kind of ran tangentially i was doing another project called never nothing which was like three friends that were four friends that were all over the all over the earth i had one in in australia one me in philly a friend in oakland and then a friend in, in los angeles and we were just like we made a blog and we were just share photos and so and it was most, it started just for us to all keep up with each other, but it got public. We, like, it was never private. So yeah. people got into it. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, people were just like kind of stoked on it for a while. Um, and we like did shows and we, uh, made a big zine kind of newsprint thing. And I had a really good time with that. So fast forward, I moved a couple of years after that. I moved to Cal, that dies down. I moved to California and I didn't really have an outlet. So I, basically with a different with a friend who's no longer involved who didn't do photography at all or make zines really he just made things that were sellable i bought Mm. a url called deadbeat club i started a i mean i i bought uh the i mean i got a big cartel called deadbeat club and so we just started selling stuff and that became the name and then you know like 
just me putting stuff out and my friend putting stuff out and my friend had a kid and kind of was like working on other stuff that it wasn't so much his thing and I was still making zines so I was just it started out as me as just a website to sell zines and then the first thing that I did that wasn't just one of my zines is for my friend Ed Ed Templeton who people probably know and if you know Debbie Club you definitely know Ed um he sh- he's a professional skateboarder. He shattered his leg skateboarding, and it, mm-hmm. uh, because of that, he was couch-ridden and for like six months to a year. And yeah. so he was a friend of mine, and I would go down and visit, and you know, I'd just be like, "Man, we gotta like make up a project or something for you to do while you're just yeah, like, chilling say, on this couch." I can't, like, like that's easy, just like fall in depression, like especially for somebody like him to not be able to yeah. get off the and couch I think, for a year. That's insane. Exactly, exactly. And 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 he bout he had some bouts with it, like nothing major. Fortunately, like yeah. he's a pretty a pretty uh, resilient dude. So he um, shattered his leg, was couch ridden. I was going down to visit him just to like see what's up and hang out and whatever. And we would have like very like. One of the things I didn't have when I moved to Los Angeles was friends to have like art talks with and like just kind of like, which was like a standard thing in Philly because we were all in this big collective building. So Ed lives like an hour away at least. Um, So it wasn't all the time, but I would go down and we just like shoot the shit about like books that came out and like where we are with our work and everything. It was really helpful then. So... I was like, man, why don't we just do a zine together and then you'll have a small project to do and I'll just throw it on the website. You know, we don't have to do anything special or anything like that. We'll just, and also at the same time, at that point, no one was like doing huge, like zine releases and stuff like that. Like it was just like, I made a zine. Here you go. Like enjoy it, you know? So we made a zine and I made a, a good chunk of copies of it and it sold super fast online because Ed is, you know, <laughs> yeah. Ed's, Ed's popular. That was, I was like, whoa, that was crazy. And I also had a really good time editing and designing someone else's work, which is like something I wasn't doing because all I had was me. And uh, so at that point, I was like, that's that was super fun. And, you know, that was like the fourth or fifth thing that I had as in zine form on the website. And we didn't even put the name Deadbeat Club on the on the on the zine. And then oh, right after, cool. yeah, right after that, a friend of mine, my friend Devin, who is down in Huntington and really good friends with it in Indiana too. And he was putting out a thing and I was like, oh, you should give me some copies and I'll sell it on the website. And it's kind of like slowly turned into like a little bit of a distro thing. And when he was putting it together, he was like, can I put the Deadbeat Club logo on the zine? And I was like, that's, oh, that's I was like, awesome. I was like, that's weird. But if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I sent him that and I was like, why don't you make it number five? Because Ed and I was the fourth zine that was on that oh, website. Yeah. And ever since then, we've just been kind of numbering everything like like it was like seven inches or like a record or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what number are you uh, on now? We're on 67. Nice. I think I don't I'm wow. not. I think that's something so awesome. like that. Yeah. The next it's a book. The next one that's coming out. I could be off. I don't have the thing in front. Actually, here. Hang on. One of the last things I did which is this Tim Carpenter, oh, Nathan so cool. Pierce book. This is number 63, 62. And then there's another thing after that was 63, 64. Yeah, I think we're at 65. 66, because this is the latest zine that we did, which is the Patrick O'Dell zine. 
Um, I got that one sitting right over Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so, you know, we just started putting out zine. I, I Like, Devin made the zine and just put the logo in there himself, and I sold it on the website. And then um, right when that was all, like, kind of, like, forming into, like, an actual thing, the first L.A. art book fair that happened out here came to town. And before it happened, I was talking with my friend Ray, who does Hamburger Eyes, which has been around forever. And Yeah, you know, Hamburger Eyes is, is great. Yeah, I love them. They're, they're pretty amazing people. Uh, I mean, it's really just Ray. I mean, at the time, there were more people involved, but that like now it's really just Ray Potes, and that dude is a unstoppable force um so yeah him and i were talking and i was when i since i lived on the east coast for a long time i was going to the new york book fairs all the time and i'm like dude ray this is like a serious thing we should like be all up in this thing and he was like okay i don't he didn't really know much about it because he didn't li- he never lived out there and i think on zine culture and uh, like on the mass that it is now zine culture has always been huge but like on the mass that it is now, it's really, yeah. you know, it's really changed in the last, like, probably, like, seven years or so. So, Ray and I originally were going to split a table, and as we were going, Ray, Printed Matter didn't have as many people involved as they did then, and they were like, why don't you guys just each take a table, because we don't have, like, we have room. And we were like, oh, okay. And <laughs> that was good for Ray, because he had, like, at least a hundred or so, a hundred and plus stuff out because there was a year like a year or two before that he was putting his goal was to put out a hundred zines for people like a hundred different zines within a year so he had a huge stack of shit already and it was great for him and for me i only had like five or six things out and i was like oh shit Mm. so (laughs) so it kind of like made me be like okay i gotta like ramp this up and like put out a bunch of stuff just to fill the table really and yeah and so yeah it worked out awesome it kind of sprung board i basically like woke up and had a publishing company because i had to like put stuff out and it just kind of blew up and people seem to like it so i'm very happy that people are excited about it about a year and a half to two years ago we started doing hardcover books and like really kind of ramped it up a little bit and you know we still make zines which are a kind of important part of the of the process and you know where we're where we come from so we always want to have like some kind of like one foot in the respect to that stuff and then yeah so now it's just kind of seeing what what kind of publishing company what a publishing company that's run by one dude that is, it comes from this like kind of diy punk scene and like has that let's see what it turns into i don't know you know, it's an Man, experiment. That, it's like, yeah. like Discord Records is like a very important influence on me, which is a punk label from Washington, D.C. And like, yep. you know, Minor Threat. Ian. Uh, yeah, Ian. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all people that I grew up knowing because I grew up on the East Coast. And like, I would book a bunch of hardcore shows and stuff. So like, these guys are all pretty influential people in my life. And um, so I would like, I want to run a publishing company like I like, like somebody would run a punk label. So Discord has always been an experiment. And if one day they just like are like, okay, well, this experiment is done, well, then that's fine. But mm. right. And that's the same situation for Deadbeat Club. It's like, okay, we're going to keep making this until we shouldn't make this anymore. Right. You know, yeah. so 
that's kind of where we are right now. That's so crazy. Like, it's all starting to make sense. Like, why I'm so attracted to to Deadbeat Club and stuff. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely, you've got that, like, East Coast punk rock vibe thing <laughs> going on. And, I, and I've always, I, I think I, I mean, I think I first heard of the whole Deadbeat Club thing is when Vans... Fans did that series on like Ray and you and yeah. Andrea Sonenberg and like all those people and stuff. And it was just crazy to see that. I kind of was sold on the whole thing from then on. But yeah, that was by Tobin Yelland, who is like, yeah, Tobin's the man to talk like, about life influencing person. Like he mm-hmm. did the, he did all these skate videos that I used to watch. Like he did the, the stereo video, which mm-hmm. like I was on the verge of quitting when that came out. And I was, and that like kept me in skateboarding for like another 10 years because like he just, it's just such an amazing and completely different version of what, of like, of what was happening at the time. So it's pretty amazing stuff for sure. Yeah. Tobin's, Tobin's, Tobin's untouchable. Yeah. He's, he's on the list of, of people I want to get on the show as well. He would be great for, but, um. Yeah, you keep saying we. We as in, are you are you still just the, you're doing Deadbeat all yourself? Is it just you or do you have <laughs> kind of people, well, you know, helping out at all? Or Well, my wife helps out a lot, um, but, you know, I'm, there's kind of two, two versions of Deadbeat Club and it's kind of strange. Like, we did a bunch of art shows for a long time and, you know, we might actually ramp it up again, but I don't know right now. So there's, there's the publishing wing of mm-hmm. Deadbeat Club. And there's the art show wing of Deadbeat Club. And they obviously work together as like a way to help each other out. Mm-hmm. The shows do wonders for selling books. The books are what people, what makes people come to the shows. It's very, it's very, you know, symbiotic to use a buzzword. <laughs> um, and so when I say we, it's because a lot of people have helped do this along the way with me. And, you know, yes, I guess it's, and it's awkward for me to say, uh, like, yes, I'm the decision maker about yeah. pretty much everything that involves Deadbeat Club. At the same time, all the books that, you know, I edit and design yeah, most of the say, books. I remember from the last time we talked, you, you, you like curate for people too, right? Like, you yeah, know. yeah. So like I edit and design all the books, except like, you know, when people are like, I have a finished book and I want to show it to you right. and it's the right thing. And it like makes sense. Like Ed, like I did that book, Hairdos of Defiance and mm-hmm. Ed for Ed Templeton and Ed basically had a PDF and he was like, this is kind of what I want to do. And like, that was basically based off of a different book that I did that uh that was this book called undercover cars he's like that was a really cool format i want to make a book that's along those lines and i basically just sent him the indesign file for that book and i deleted all the photos out of it and i was like and i was like why don't you make a book and fill fill in the blanks basically is kind of what it was and he created it himself so like i would never like he made his own monster and I was like, "That's a cool monster." Yeah. Let me let me do that. You know. I that's love a, the- That's a cool little series too. I like I yeah. like the like the cover, like how the cover feels, yeah. and it's just a cool little book. You know. Yeah. So, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, I haven't done another one, and I'm like kind of just waiting for the next thing. But like yeah, that the- that series of that size and whatever, I really like the way that works. Is like those are topo- I mean, typographic uh, series. Like Ed's is pictures of everybody with mohawks mine is mm-hmm. mine is pictures of cars that are covered by tarps so like it's like and and every photo is that so i kind of like the idea of maybe expanding that as a larger 
series. And who yeah. knows what that's going to turn into. I don't I ha- love that. I don't have another topographic photo series from anyone yet, but you know, and now as I say that, get ready for all the emails of everybody. That's yeah. Yeah, you're gonna I got all these email. photos of mailboxes. T- check it out. <laughs> you know, like things like that. Like, but yeah, it's, it's something that I'm exploring in the back of my head. That's the thing. A lot of these things are just like, oh, that's an idea, and then it goes in the in the shelf until the right thing pops. Yeah. Up. And yeah. how do you how do you go about getting like the next artist for these projects, book whether it's a book or a zine or. Yeah, uh, a lot of it is, uh, I mean, large part of, an important part of it is largely working with people I know, because there's so much trust that goes into, on both sides sure. of the, on both sides yeah. of the river. Yeah. Um, like, I, it takes a lot of trust for me to put something out and work with somebody, and then it takes a lot of trust for them to trust me to put it out. So, uh, yeah, I usually work with a lot of people I know, but I'm always... I just, I'm very deeply entrenched in the photo world, especially out here. So I think, you know, I'm just always looking for something rad. And like, you know, we just went out to Paris for the, for a book fair, uh, in November and I met a ton of people out there. I was going to say, how was that? That was awesome. That sounds amazing. amazing. (laughs) Yeah. The the book fair that we went to was on a boat called Polycopies. And it was like, it was so weird. Like the boat was stationary. It stayed there. Still. But oh, okay. Every time, <laughs> I thought you were on like a cruise. No, 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 no. Captive audience. Um, no, it was, uh, it's this, it's a book fair that, so there's a huge photo festival that happens in Paris every year called Paris Photo. Right. And they used to be in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I've been was, a couple of times. It was yeah, at the they, uh, Universal right or no uh paramount law i think yeah yeah and that and like that was a pretty that was that was amazing those yeah so sad they don't do it anymore over here yeah when they quit they sent this like great when they stopped doing it in la they sent this really gnarly letter that was like well obviously los angeles doesn't have the collector base to be ready for our kind of events (gasps) and stuff like that it was really it was really funny it was crazy. I mean, they're a fancy. They're super fancy. So, yeah. like, yeah. you know. And the one in L.A., I mean, the one in, in Paris is gigantic. Yeah. And it's just. Where did, what kind of. I remember it was interesting going to the one in L.A. because it was always on the back lot. So, it was yeah. like, you know, you're walking through, like, the movie set and then, it like, past the Friends set or whatever. And then, like, in the into the into like a soundstage when they'd be set yeah. up with all the the photos so it was like for me i was like this is the best of both worlds it's the movies and it's the art like i love it so yeah. much and so i was so <laughs> yeah. sad when they stopped those those la paris photo la those were like really important moments in both my career as a photographer and uh and um and for Deadbeat Club, because we honestly, like, it helped, jo- like, really solidify a really ho- uh, a really, a really great, solid crew of all the publishers in L.A. Because D.A., so it was on the New York bat- back lot. Yes. And so a ton of artists and photographers that were from New York that now all live out here were like, oh, shit, this is kind of really weird. We're in L.A., but we're in New York. Yeah. And then at, and then at the same <laughs> yeah. time, DAP, which is like the major distributor of art books in America, they rented like this amazing corner spot that like every gallery basically had its own brownstone mm-hmm. or they were in these like right. sound booths that were that were uh they were in the sound stages that and they each had a booth right yeah but that is so crazy yeah, yeah. It was, it was like awesome. i'm just like mentally picturing yeah, it was this amazing. And it just sounds amazing and it, but it was amazingly awesome 
and easy to to be able to digest each show. So you would go in a brownstone, and it would just be this gallery mm-hmm. had a, it was like the the gallery had a had a house show. Yeah, and it was yeah, <laughs> it was just stuff hanging up on the walls. So, but DAP rented this amazing corner this corner spot in like you know it's kind of like if it was at Astor Place or something, and it was like a bookshop that was just like in New York, and they had picnic tables and all this stuff, and people. All of us just chilled super hard at DAP because they were also having most of the signings. So most of the artists that like this is how I became really good friends with Todd Heido was at this show, oh, and wow. um, and how I became like one of my one of my closest friends and now and one of the best art book publishers I think in the world is this publishing company called Nazraeli and they became like Chris who runs Nazraeli has become one of my closest friends like we I just got married like probably like three or four months ago and we got married on his farm in Paso Robles and like him he's like congratulations thank you (laughs) he uh he's like family to me and my wife and 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 that's how we met was just at DAP's corner like bookshop and it was just like it's it, that was a really important time, I think, in LA. It's a bummer L, yeah. that Paris doesn't do it. Photo Paris doesn't. Paris Photo doesn't do it out here anymore. But those like two times that they did do it were just really awesome and yeah. really important. So and it introduced me to tons of people. You know, man. Yeah. When are you doing a book with? Uh, when are you doing a book with Todd? <laughs> oh, we did it. We did one a little while ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, we oh, I didn't we know did that. like this crazy poster foldout thing that. Um, it was really awesome. It was so back in the day, we used to make these like you take a, a letter, a, a letter sheet of paper, you take a letter sheet of paper and uh, and fold it in a weird way and then cut it down the middle. And it would be like a tiny one, sh- like a little zine that's probably like the size of a post-it. And yeah, and you would be able to like flip through like six pages or something like that. And then you would unfold it that's and it so would be cool. a po- and it would be a poster. Ah. So. I mean, a letter-sized sheet of paper. So I found out the largest sheet you can put on on a offset press, and I just figured out the math on how to make a gigantic oh, no version of kidding. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So Todd and I worked on that together, and we made. Uh, uh, it's called collage number three, was what it was called. And uh, yeah, so inside when it folds out, there's this. Giant, he was making work where it was tons of those little archival photos and his mm-hmm. own photos all framed within one big one big thing one big frame so you know it was like post like things pinned and taped and stuff inside of a frame it was really really amazing and so he sold a bunch of those and one he made he sold before it was even shown and so he was like i want to be able to show that to people so can we make a print of it and so it was basically a flat version of the frame piece and yeah. and uh and then when you the there's like a little bit of editorial that leads up to the unfolding of the poster That's so cool it was really it was really an awesome project i'm so bummed that i missed that <laughs> yeah it did it sold pretty fast todd and i are talking yeah. about about doing a new thing right now so it, i mean i don't cool. know who knows where it's gonna go and it you know yeah it yeah. might take it might take a year it might take five who knows so so yeah. so so Obviously, these series that you do, they're like limited runs. Is there only a certain number that you make every time or do you make them to sell and then stop? How does that work? When you're publishing and when you're on press, you have to have like a number ahead of time. Yeah. To be like, Mm -hmm. I need to do. And I mean, so the idea is 
because it started with zines and mm-hmm. it was and and it started just basically it, at the time in my apartment I've moved into a house since then but uh I had the tiniest apartment in Los Angeles when I first moved here uh and I just didn't have room to store anything so I would make stuff with the intention that it would eventually sell out and it would and then the idea was to be with the idea was to move on to the next yeah. thing so yeah. and there were zines so it shouldn't be like this heavy opus kind of thing but that said i wanted it to stick around long enough so that it was fair for everyone to be able to get it it shouldn't be like this you know elitist thing where it's like oh well you have to be there or you have to be friends right. with so and so to get your hands on it so i would usually it started out with just printing out uh, about um 200 zines and then for some people who sell stuff like in the blink of an eye, I would go up to like 400. And, and oh, that wow. was like the, that was the rule in the beginning. And now it's completely different. Like right now, actually now <laughs> it's not completely different with the zines. It's like three to 500 depending on what's going on. And then with the books, like Ed's hairdo book, I printed 1500, but like I just did a book for, uh, this guy. Steve Banks, who is, it's archival photos that he shot in 19, in like 1967. He did this workshop with Richard Avedon, and it's all the work from that workshop, which is just him going to beauty, wow. beauty salons in, in, yeah. in like on the East Coast. And so it's kind of a zine, but it's also like it's offset print and it's really like really nicely printed. It's honestly, I think it's one of the best printings that we've done, but we only made 300 of those. And that made it really expensive to make because the more you make, the cheaper it gets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a $30 zine, but it's also 9 by 12 so it's big, and it's like on really nice paper, and it's printed really beautifully. It's honestly, like, I think it's one of the best print jobs we've done so far. So I was really happy with that one. But yeah, so, like, the numbers are kind of like... Honestly, everything that we put out is me sitting at my desk for, like, two days doing math and trying to like explore every certain way that I can make it, yeah. uh, make it make sense, you know? Crazy. Yeah. Do you ever, I mean, do you ever go back to basics ever? Do you ever do like little things for, for yourself anymore? Like little like Xerox zines or anything kind of, yeah. you know, just to, just to kind of level, level out more than anything. I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I try to get away from the screen as much as I can. And if this is yeah. just, just for me and my, my, my practice and my projects that I work on I'll make prints I used to like until somewhat recently I was making prints in the dark room all the time and making these work Mm -hmm. prints so that I had everything on hand and I was able to uh you know I think it's the tangible object is a very important thing so I was making I was making like (laughs) eight by tens and eleven by fourteen prints but since I only shoot color making those prints is is just such a fucking like (laughs) it's such a a heavy amount of work. So I bought one of those, uh, uh, archival pigment printers. It's, there's a Canon that I just have really fallen in love with. And so I have, I'm often like, I have a bulletin board that I'm printing these prints on and they're up on my bulletin board and stuff like that. And I'm kind of just working with that. When I make the books and the zines, often I'll go, I'll print everything out and lay it down and make sure everything makes sense and everything. But I haven't really made like a mass photocopied thing for a while lately though a fun thing that we're doing now when with mail order and we sell them at the table sometimes too at like various book fairs uh we make like these one sheet which is a 12 by 18 all the uh, like unfolded all the way it's a 12 by 18 sheet but it's basically just folded 
in half and then in half the other way. And, and it's just this like one sheet, small project thing that I'm doing for various people. Like I did one for Tim Carpenter, Nathan Pierce. I did one. Uh, and then Dan Monick is, there's one that's made by Dan Monick right now. And it's just like, hey, I have this like, this vehicle that's like, you know, eight to 10 photos, maybe 15 photos. Like if you have a small project that doesn't really have a home, this is how you would get, this is how you would do it. This is like a good way to get it out. But also it's a free thing that comes with everything that when you order something, it comes free. It comes free with every order that you get. You like get a sticker and then you get this, I call them the deadbeat club supplementals is what they're, that's the series. I love that. It's called. Yeah. Everybody likes freebies. Yeah. I think I, I think one came with, uh, yeah, I kind of fell out there for a second, but oh. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> my internet dropped out, but I, I forget which, which zine it was that I got, or was it, was it the Ed book that you, the, the rock you did one that was yeah. like a big rock or. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was the one that I did. And that's gone now. Like, that's the thing is like, yeah. I'll only make like probably like a hundred to 200 of those. Cause it's just free stuff to go in the, I can't like drop too much money on right. it. But, yeah, yeah. And again, that's a huge math equation where it's like, okay, how many can I make for under so that it like it doesn't cost more than a dollar a sheet like after printing and everything because mm-hmm. it, I'm just giving it away and like book publishing is 100% a margins game and you just have to constantly figure out the cheapest mm-hmm. way and how you can cut corners and just like really, you know, it's tough. So, do you use the uh do you kind of use the same printer all the time or do you have like a group of people that you go yeah, to for stuff like that? that or? I have a, I have one that I've been working with a lot, which is in Istanbul. I'm actually flying to Istanbul next week Whoa. to go on press oh, for no that. Yeah. yeah. I've never been there on press, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's a book. I'm doing a book for this uh, photographer, Cole Barish, who is just, he just blows my mind. Every single time he puts something out, it just floors me. <laughs> so he, we're doing a, a book about, uh, his child he just had a kid probably about a year ago and this is the birth of his child and at the exact same time there was a storm that hit uh he lives in he lives in uh cape cod and there's a huge storm that hit cape cod and this is him photographing the birth of his child and the storm at the same wow, time i love that wow That's so, so yeah because it's what a concept yeah and it's it's <laughs> it's <laughs> i love cole he has engineered himself into the most difficult book there's three different page sizes um <laughs> oh man they're all like it's all going to be printed duotone which is it's all black and white so like it's all very hard to like make sure everything is like on point he picked a really weird paper stock so i'm just going there and i have to make sure that we make the best possible yeah thing but it's going to be this insanely precious book we're making 700 because the like the engineering and the cost of it is going to be so expensive to make like it costs a chunk of sure. loot to make sure. the book so we're making 700 because that helps make it make like it'll even out a little bit better that way yeah and that's a lot so i'm just hoping we're going to be able to move some so we're going to have like a couple shows of the work in various places too to help like push and it's going to be fun i was going to ask you when you because you said do you have shows with every release no that- not every okay. but it's kind of like it's been interesting like lately you know, with the books, since we're doing more books than we are zines, it slows down a little bit. And now we're kind of doing, um, we're, we're doing more and more, um, like I just had a show, I just curated a show in Milan for a book that I did with, uh, Ed Pinar, which is all these photos from, 
uh, way north, northern uh, California, where most of the marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, where most of marijuana is grown, you know, and and there's a heavy marijuana industry. He's been up. The, he's he would go up there and and work for like the last ten years or so. He was up there trimming the weed, but while he was up there, he was photographing the town and and just like life up there. And so it's uh, we we put a book out of all the work that he worked on that for a long time. And I had Ed come out for that Paris show, that Paris book fair, to just do a signing. And then I was like, well, since you're going to be over there overseas, and you're not, you don't. He doesn't go. I mean, he travels a lot. But he hasn't been over in Europe in forever. I was like, well, why don't we see if we can put something together? And of these amazing friends of ours, they're much, they're like amazing friends of ours now. We didn't know them very well until we did this. But there's an, like, I honestly think it's probably the best bookshop in, in the world. This place called Me Camera, which is a bookshop in Milan. And, um, it's all photo books. It's like the best photo. Oh, it's, it's the best. I would love to go there. Yeah. I know. It's the best photo book shop in the world. Like, it's just wow. mind blowing. Um, you get lost in there for hours. I'm sure it's next level. Like, I'll and take like, one of everything. <laughs> exactly. And oh my God. And the, like the encyclopedic, <laughs> the encyclopedic knowledge that, uh, they have about all their books that they have there is just amazing. Like the last day, while we were packing everything up and making sure, uh, like, doing our counts for all the books that there that we left behind, so that they can. As we were there, I was like, Flavio, who is the the guy who works there, and it's it's Flavio and Julia who uh, run the sh- the shop. Uh, and so I'm like, Flavio, sell me stuff, and he <laughs> just showed me some of the most amazing photo books uh, I've ever seen. I love and I that. Just, and he was showing me shit that wasn't for sale. Which was the most amazing thing. He's just like, you're, you're gonna love this, and you're gonna love this, and you know, like, he's just blowing my wow. mind with some stuff. Mm. He's, yeah, it, both, both him and Julia are amazing, amazing people. But yeah, so anyway, we were talking about shows for books. It, 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 it's not <laughs> intentional, but I love doing it. I was and gonna I say love... that has to be like the, you know, the best part or like, you know, the most rewarding thing at the end to be like, and here it is and show yeah. it and like invite people to come see. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's great. And it's, you know, it's the best way to sell shit is like having the show and like, oh, you love this? Here's the book. You could just take the book. And right. like, you know, yeah. That's so cool. Like, Ed, like that's how Hairdo's a Defiance worked. Like, Ed was working on the idea of that book forever and then got offered a show by his gallery here in LA. And so I was like, well, I guess we got to launch the book for the show. Yeah. (laughs) Got to do a book. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah. And so we did it and it was amazing, you know? So like it all kind of worked out perfect. Yeah. Man. See, I I love that. I really want to get sort of a, I know what you mean. Earlier you said, you know, being out where you're at, you didn't really have someone to discuss art and photography mm-hmm. and stuff with. So right. driving an hour away to go talk to Ed, like I'm kind of in that in that world now. I'm in a small town in the middle of Tennessee where I'm not from. You know, I've only been here for, you know, six or seven years. So I still haven't really broke through to my people. And, yeah. you know, yeah. usually when you when you do things like, you know, set up shows or do you know, fun stuff like that. You always kind of have like a partner in crime or like a crew right. that you do stuff with. And I just haven't really tapped into that yet. So I, Oh man. I mean, yeah. So when I first moved here, I knew one person, which was that guy that I started that the website with. Yeah. And that was it. And it was coming from 
Philly, where Philly is like both the art community and the punk community, everybody knows everybody and everybody's super like it's super heavy community. Like I was living in punk houses where I lived with like eight different people for a while. Mm -hmm. And like, and so like, I was like very much like constantly like a warm blanket of friendship and community and caring about each other. And then I moved here and it was, there was like weeks Mm -hmm. where there was like, there would be a week easy where I wouldn't talk to anybody except for someone at the grocery store while I was oh, while man. I was buying my you know oh, yeah. my yeah, coffee mo- or something. Moving to a new city, no matter what, is always yeah. You have yeah. to start over, and it's it's daunting. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the, those days too, being like, yeah. I I don't know anybody. I didn't. I have. I know my roommate, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I moved here in my like mid to late thirties, and I realized very quickly, oh shit, old like old. But adult <laughs> adult men don't make new friends. Like it's yeah, just like no, everybody's kind of like locked in their way. And you know, I help. I I I I think I broke a little bit of that and like met a lot of really good people. I got lucky that um, I knew a couple of people from when I lived in New York. They lived out here and like kind of just like met a lot of people from my one friend. And I moved here the same time as one of my best friends who is this painter, Chris Johansson, he, he moved here at the same time and we didn't know each other then, but, uh, he lived like three or four blocks away from me. So, and he's friends with like, uh, like he's friends with Ed Templeton from like the nineties and all the art shows that happened at Alleged and stuff like that. And so I quickly became friends with him just by being at a lot of the same shit. And then like walking down the street and being like, Oh shit. Hey man. You know, like things like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It was, yeah. It was like that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I had a little bit of a leg up, but at the same time, I really didn't know that many people. And honestly, until I met my now wife, I was, I had one foot out the door and one foot like permanently here. So I didn't really, I was always like, ah, it's okay, but I don't know. And now, you know, I'm hitched. I'm not going anywhere. Good. (laughs) Yeah. So. And the only other question I was really thinking of is with you and the stress, well, not stress, but with Deadbeat Club going on all the time, you're kind of always, always working on that. Like what, do you ever feel like it kind of takes away from your own photography? Like are you? Good question. For sure. For sure. Like last year, I, last year we, I really pushed hard on deadbeat club and like turned it made a bunch of books books and not i made a couple zines too but like you know put a lot into it and unfortunately because of that i like something happened to like maybe like two years ago where i stopped always carrying a camera like i don't do Mm. for lack of a better term i don't do just street photography where it's like okay i'm gonna go out and shoot and now, or like, okay, I'm going out. I have to make sure I have my camera with me because whatever happens, I'm going to shoot. Right. Like I've become much more project based. And that one has really like slowed me way the fuck down. Mm. And yeah. I uh, am not like a constant machine of output. Some of my friends and um, that conscious decision really slowed things down. And it makes me uncomfortable about that. Like knowing that I haven't really put anything out in a while, but then also putting as much focus as I have on deadbeat club has really made it tough for me to carve out the time to go work on the projects. Cause the main project that I'm working on is actually about upstate New York, where my father's from. Mm. And I have, I have to fly across the country, like get either a hotel room or, or an Airbnb and like carve and a rental car and like all these things and like carve out the time 
to make sure that happens. And, you know, it makes it really hard when you have to like, you know, constantly post on Instagram about like a book that you have and Mm -hmm. like make sure that the mail order is being taken care of and like all these other kind of things. So like it really has, I wouldn't say shut down my personal photography work, but um, it has slowed it for sure. But I like a lot, a large, like my, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but like one of the goals that I have for this year is maybe trying to put that work that one project to bed and 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 create something start something like well make a book out of that work and then you know that's the thing is like i deadbeat club puts out a lot of clint woodside work so you know it kind of goes is it it goes hand in hand so you know sometimes it's the same shit yeah like my my personal career my my personal work is also deadbeat club you know so yeah i was yeah, just gonna I, say at that, least at least you didn't have to you know your personal work didn't take a backseat to like some nine to five you had to get you know yeah but i have a little bit of that too like i work freelance oh sure uh, sure i do a ton of freelance graphic design well book design for uh a couple people and like i do a lot of curation and i do a lot of um you know just a lot of different a lot of that so like it there's days there's months where I'm like ready to just like collapse and sure. shut down. And like, I honestly have <laughs> looked into land in like the middle of nowhere and just like, yeah. like, oh, yeah. about, like selling oh, yeah. everything off and just being like, fuck it. I'm just going to disappear. Mm-hmm. But don't do but that. I'm trying to <laughs> <Don't> do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's also, there's no bigger reward than mm-hmm. when the actual event that you've curated right. or the book that you've, designed and all these things are just like in your hands and it's so cool you get to travel for it too like i know that's also yeah i've never been to i've never been to paris that was the first time i went to paris never been to milan first time i went to that's awesome yeah it's all been pretty amazing stuff i'm working on a show for that stuff that cole did that for that cole book we might do a show in japan to like launch it and like oh that'd be so i've been to japan twice already and both of those things were book stuff it's like i don't travel anymore unless there's and my wife hates me for it, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I don't travel unless there's something we can do to like help push the, yeah. whatever it is, like either my personal work or or uh, or the the book publishing stuff. You know, like do you think you still get the same like satisfaction out of producing these books and zines as you do as like working on your own photography? Because I have like I always feel like I'm cheating. Like if I make a YouTube video or even with this podcast, you know, like this podcast takes up a lot of time and takes away from, you know, my personal work and which is, you know, personal work to me is just, you know, shooting whatever projects are in my mind and stuff. I'm not like a published crazy photographer by any means. So yeah. You know, like, do you still get that? Like, because I know what it's like to go out and like have that shot in the role of the camera that, you know, is like, you know, it's like a hit of good drugs. Like mm-hmm. it's a rush when you know you got something awesome. Like, do you still get that like from Deadbeat Club? Are you fulfilled that way with like all the publishing and stuff like that? I love it. I, yeah, I, I, I'm so psyched about it. Um, Definitely. I think I'm a little tortured in the fact that none of it has been stuff that of my work recently yeah Mm -hmm. and you know and how fucking selfish does that sound um (laughs) but you know it's a reality yeah um yeah but at the same time like i it's really funny some of the uh, some of the work that i've been putting out sometimes i just approach it as if it's like my work you know like i'm just like i mean not literally but i'll be like uh like i i 
get this and like sometimes I I'm designing stuff and I'm like man I wish this was mine right you know yeah. and but at the it same time it just sounds like you're inspired all the time exactly yeah, like is... this is like man it's such an inspiring way to work yeah. on stuff and it's like you're like like I did a a zine for Jason Vaughn a little while ago and I was just like man this is this shit is so good mm-hmm. I got to go shoot some stuff I and love so that. like it would be like that you know it's like watching a skate video or like yeah I was just going to yeah. say putting a skate video yeah, on yeah <laughs> I have a really insane photo book library and I'll sit down when I'm really kind of like wow, what am I doing I'll sit down and just be like well let's see let's like let, let's just get psyched like let's go yeah. look at Freelanders factory valleys and just be like whoa <laughs> that is some shit and be like oh i do need to start shooting more people and or like you know yep. or like you know it's just like you gotta i just get psyched on other people's work and i always have and it, whether or not they're my friends or or people i've looked up to as photographers so yeah. love that great but yeah you know you don't want to live in a vacuum you you want to like you want to it's good to know the other work out there because you don't want to embarrass yourself by making something that's just something that's already been completely done yeah to death. a copy yeah. yeah we'll be right back with a couple questions from our listeners for clint after this message from our sponsor all right so today's episode is brought to you by our patreon it's brought to you by us so chris and i this past month have been in the process of revamping the patreon we took some stuff away that wasn't working and we brought some stuff in that we have a feeling is going to be a lot easier for us to fulfill for you guys for the patreons we already have and for you know the new the new patreons that come and help support this show i know the first thing we're going to bring in is kind of a a guest after show you know after we're done recording the episode we're going to do kind of either you know find something that our guest is interested in they can show us you know their camera collection or their photo books or prints or you know maybe it's even something not photography related but we wanted to do video for you guys and you know we tried doing the full episode video but you know most of you guys listen to it on whatever podcast app that you have go over and check it out we have some stuff already listed we haven't done the full launch yet but we will be the beginning of february we're gonna we're gonna have like a new video up we're gonna do a whole bunch of awesome stuff but this coming friday will be kind of the rough the rough example of what we're planning on doing with clint so you'll get to see clint's photo book collection and some of his favorite photo books so it's pretty cool it's pretty cool what he shows us and i'm excited for you guys to see so yeah go over check it out thanks a lot guys for all the patrons that have supported us already and for all you newcomers head over to patreon.com slash analog talk All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Photolab Psyche. And he asks, what medium format camera would you recommend for someone who usually shoots 35? First of all, hi, Jake. How are you, buddy? Um, <laughs> this is a student that I did a workshop with uh, over, oh, over cool, the summer. Cool. He's, he's awesome. Oh. Um, Hey, yeah, Jake, good... thanks for sending the question. <laughs> yeah, Jake, Jake's rad. What medium format? So I think it's kind of, that's kind of dependent on uh, what you're shooting with in the first place. So the way I got, so I shoot with a Mamiya 7, which um, I shoot my 30, uh, so I started shooting with 35, just like, just like the, uh, the caller, we'll call him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, just like Jake, I've I've started with just 35 and didn't really start fucking with medium format until a lot later. Uh, but I was shooting with all rangefinders when I when I returned to photography. It's weird. When I returned to photography, I bought an Electro 35 camera, which uh, by Yashica, which mm-hmm. is a rangefinder that I found in a thrift store. And I was like, I don't like this digital stuff. Oh, here's this film camera. I'm sure this will do fine. And so I started shooting with that, and it was a rangefinder. And I was like, oh, this is way more fun than anything I was shooting with before. And then eventually, like, built up into various versions. I, I was shooting with that, and then I went into a Bessa Voigtlander and bought Leica lenses because that fits on the yeah, Bessa. They fit. mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with the medium format question that he's asking. So anyways, I shot with a ton of rangefinders until I was like, I want a medium format. And very easily and very quickly, I felt at home with my Mamiya 7 because it's basically a large medium format rangefinder. And that's the thing. It's like I felt super comfy right away because it's basically what I was shooting with already. That said, I think there's a lot of things you got to think about. There's ratios of the film that you're shooting with you know there's the Mamiya 7 is a 6-7 camera so it's a squat rectangle like landscape rectangle yeah sometimes that pisses me off and I I wish that it was much more the the format of the 35 so that that way everything was just kind of all the same format if I was showing it I agree I I shoot a lot of six seven. Yeah. And I feel that way too. Um, but I also love six seven. Like mm-hmm. if it was so, the project that I'm working on right now in upstate New York, I'm shooting it all on my Mamiya seven. So everything will be that so that ratio, and it will feel there won't be a weird break between things shot one way and things shot the other way because it's all shot the same way. Um, anyway, I think you know. Look at the rectangles that feel the most comfortable to you. Like maybe drop some of your favorite photos in those rectangles and kind of be like, huh, does it does it feel right? Like you know. But um, just try out all the other kinds of focusing systems that you like. Like I don't know what the person what Jake is shooting with. Uh, I can't remember. Sorry, buddy. But I really like my Mamiya Seven because it's a rangefinder. Maybe you'll really like um, some other the the. Uh, GR71 or whatever the fucking thing is. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the one that you look down in and it, you turn the thing and I don't know. I don't have it. Oh, I never shot with it. So <laughs> like an, like an, the RB, yes. like the square. Thank you. Yes. Thank yes. you. So like maybe yeah. you'll like a square format, but also maybe you'll like the way that the, that the focusing system works with that, which is completely different than the other. Um, you just got to kind of test a lot of shit out and feel find out what feels yeah i feel i mean that's how i figured it out yeah you know i i'm mostly like an I, I mean when i got back into shooting film i shot a lot of slrs so yeah you know uh that the, the camera we were just talking about the rb67 i that, i love that camera yeah. and still do to this day just love that you know being able to the, the depth of the focus and stuff with rangefinders you really don't see depth yeah so yeah. it's kind of all in how you see you know now i'm all about rangefinders so yeah. it's you know, it takes a lot of experimenting and trying stuff out. That's kind of what I'm doing with all the rental stuff is just trying yeah. a bunch of shit out and seeing what That's another good. thing I was I was going to say. We had a guest or uh, yeah, we had a guest on who runs his own like film camera rental shop. Yeah. It's called Film Objective. Adam. Yeah. That's definitely a good way to cost effectively try instead of, you know, dropping a couple grand on a Mamiya 7 or And then being couple... like, oh, this thing sucks. Like, you don't yeah, want to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, like, you yeah. know, I don't know. What's the name of that place? Oh, um, Film Objective. Film, Film objective. objective. Jake, check those dudes out. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I just realized every medium format camera I've owned or shot with has been a 645. Yeah. In photography school, it was a Mia 645. That was the my, that was the, my first introduction to medium format because I was shooting 35 up until then. Yeah. And that was like part of the um, tuition was you get a huge medium format camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I remember I sold it for like 800 bucks when I was like, never going to need this again, idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I had a contact 645, which I, yeah. I mean, I've talked about that camera on the show a million times. I loved and re- regret that I've sold, but now I have the Pentax 645. And I don't know why. I just realized that's the only size I've shot when, I don't know, I've got to expand that. I'm, yeah, I don't know, just what I've always had. And I love the, I love the size. But I don't know yeah. what I'm missing that either. Work, that works I have for it. you, though. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, so like I always saw, shot six seven, and when I rented that that Fuji that I just rented like last week, I actually returned it yesterday. That was that's all six four five, and I was like, oh shit, this is nice. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's much more rectangular, and it yeah. feels more like you know, it feels I don't know, it feels more at home, I guess. But so it really kind of like slapped me in the face a little bit because I've been like waiting. Like, oh, this, all these digital medium formats suck. They don't ever put out a 6.7. No nothing's like the Mamiya, <laughs> the Mamiya, blah, 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 blah. And now they, and now I've shot with 6.4.5. I'm like, oh, this is nice, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, everybody's kind of got their own thing, you know? Yeah. I would yeah. say, yeah, back to the For film sure. objective. It is the best way to try yeah. different th- different things and see what you like. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think, like, I think I wish that there was more of that, actually. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> his his Instagram handle is at shut up Jesus. Love that. <laughs> so good. And he said, "Hey Clint, how does one get on your amazing roster of zines that you have made? Any personal photo projects in the works?" So it's a it's a twofer, twofer on this one. This is also somebody I know. <laughs> Hi. Oh, okay. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> um, hey, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew rules. He comes to every deadbeat club thing and he comes to every photo show he's like the hardest him and his brother uh they're the hardest working photo nerds in los angeles it's cool crazy. nice so and they're they're they are like heavy film dudes it's pretty fun um love it so yeah getting a hold of the stuff that i have put out you have to move quicker <laughs> <laughs> because they're sold out that's the problem um you know like i keep like three or four copies of everything that I've put out just for my own archive. But yeah, it's just uh, when I was doing stuff in the beginning, it took forever to sell out. And then like after a while, like now, I mean, I don't know if I have any heavy following, but like shit sold eventually. So I hope that, you know, there's some way maybe uh, sucks to say, look and see if you can find anything on eBay or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I wish I had enough to sell. At, to sell, I kind of have this weird thing about, uh, with zines especially, it's like, okay, this is the zine. It's just a small, like, it's a sketch and it's an idea. And it's like, let's just get it out and, like, move on to the next thing. So I don't really do reprints of zines that often. I, I mean, I haven't for my mm. own stuff personally at all. But, yeah, it's tough. I, I, I was saying I try to make enough so it's not an elitist thing, but I guess eventually it always becomes that way because it runs you out. can only yeah. make so much you know <laughs> yeah so um and if i did a reprint it would take forever for this stuff to sell out so that would just be a kick in the nuts mm. um what about do you ever think of doing like a retrospect kind of like a like of all your little zines and stuff that you've done yeah uh i think it's too soon 
for me to be like, yeah. oh, the Clint, People, yeah, the yeah, Woodside I, I retrospective. Right. <laughs> like that's way that's way too early for that kind of stuff. I got a lot of work to do before I have my mid career, you know, retrospective no, no, or I... anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. There was moments where I'm like, oh, we could put out like a Deadbeat Club book where it's just like photos from all the stuff we put out. But then I was like, well, we already put the shit out, right, so why yeah, why make it yeah. again? You know. So I don't know what that would be yet, but also I feel like we have a couple years before we should probably, maybe Deadbeat Club 100 should be some kind of like oh, yeah. retrospective thing or something, but I don't even, Dude, I don't even idea. know if that's Love right that. yet. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see when we get there. We'll see what life is like once we, if, if we get to 100, I, I hope we do, yeah. but whatever. I think oh, you're, you will. You're yeah. getting to 100. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, like if it's, it's an experiment, so like if it doesn't, if it's not working I'm not going to force it. So, you know, yeah. fingers crossed we get to 100. Knock wood. You know, whatever. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know if the mic picked that up, but I knocked wood. Um, yeah, so projects that I'm working on right now, I'm working on um, a project that's going to be, that's all upstate New York, where my father grew up. It's all shot, like we've said, on 6-7. I'm hoping that it will be done at the end of the year. There's, you know, I'd still like to make at least two or three trips to the town to shoot and dive in a lot deeper than I have so far. I'm happy with where it is. I'm really happy with where it is right now, but I know it's not done yet. So um, there's some work to be done. I also, I, I shot a ton. So Alex and I, my wife, on our honeymoon, we went on, um, we went to Morocco for, uh, uh, yeah, hmm. and I shot the shit out of Morocco. That's a great place well, to go honeymoon. Yeah, it was fun. And so I shot a lot of photos while I was there. I came back with like, I usually, you know, when I go on trips, it's like, I don't shoot. I'm very slow. So I'll come back with like me too. six to six to 10 rolls. And I came back with like 15 to 20 rolls for this. So I'm going to try to comb through that and see if I can bang something out in time for the, uh, uh, for the LA art book fair. But I'm that, and that's in early April. So I'm not sure if I'm going to or not. Like I look through the stuff and, uh, I like it. I don't know if it's me just being like i haven't put anything out in a while i should just put something out or yeah. if it's like actually something i should put out and right. that's when i mean the last real thing i put out was besides that like one sheet that was in free with the free with the mail uh the last major thing i put out was this split book that was all about shooting in the valley with my friend dan monick and we only made 200 of those and that sold out really quick because it was like a catalog for a show that we had um so it feels like it's been a long time since I've put something out. So it becomes like a really like I have to be very mindful that I'm putting out <laughs> something because it needs to come out and not because it's like, well, I haven't done anything in a while. So I guess I got to do mm. something, you know, like, right. You got I, I don't believe in that. You got to put something out when it's good. That's the question. I like that answer. Yeah. Me too. A good answer. Yeah. Both great questions, guys. Thanks for sending those in. So I guess I guess this is kind of like one of the main tough questions that we always ask our guests. Mm -hmm. We didn't really make it this far last time because I think we had some technical issues, yeah. as we said before. Okay. But we have it's a it's a two part question as well. It's um, kind of I mean, it seems like you have I've heard you talk about a camera quite a bit. So I think we might already know the answer. But uh, Desert Island camera, mm. um, if you could only choose one forever. Mm. You know, and you're and you're stuck on this island, and the island does have a lab <laughs> and an unlimited supply of film, and you you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So. And amazingly, I can't contact anybody outside of 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty yeah. that's pretty trippy. Yeah. Um so I guess see that's tough because so on the Morocco trip, I took mm-hmm. my I took my Leica because I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to be running and gunning and it's like yeah. much different than like the other thing. But if I'm stuck on an island, I'm going to be slowing it down because mm-hmm. if it's a deserted island and it's just me, <laughs> you're going to get meditative. So I'd probably go with the uh, Mamiya 7. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I shoot with the Mamiya 7, but then I, and on that, I have a 65 and an 80. And I guess mm. probably I wouldn't mind getting one, maybe, I think there's a 120 that is the next one up. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'd like to throw that in the mix if I have, if that's where I am forever and ever. Uh, but I really do love that rig. So I'd probably, I guess I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. I would, I mean, it's a great camera. That's a great answer. I would, I would also though, like to modify my Mamiya 7 to a metering through the lens because it doesn't. Uh, Oh, it doesn't. I didn't know that. And, And I have shot many a photo thinking I just crushed it. When I uh, have the lens, uh, when I have the lens cap on, so yeah, uh, uh, yeah that rangefinder fail. That's yeah, seriously. <laughs> so that is a huge issue with that camera that they like they pretended to fix with the seven two, which you can shoot twice on without advancing the film, but. You just don't notice it until you walk away and you're like, fuck, did I? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even know. You don't even know if you did it. You're like, fuck, did I just take that photo without, with the lens cap on? I don't even know. Like, I, cause it's like so, it's so reflex to put the cap back on when you're done. Mm -hmm. Like, so I don't even know until I get the film and I'm like, oh, look at all these blank Blank frames. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a very good photographer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, the the second part of the question is is the uh, the white whale. Like, is there a camera that you're you know that's kind of always been on your bucket list of cameras mm. that you know you've wanted? Uh, I don't know. I you know I always I want a six a six by nine medium format camera that is mm-hmm. that's good. And there's there's a Fuji one. There's two Fuji ones, and they have. Uh, a fixed lens that you can't change and you can either yeah. get this i think it's a 65 or a 90 90 yeah and there's no meter inside the fucking camera so oh, i didn't know yeah, that either. Jeez. in either one in either version of it so that drives me completely insane and like i had this master plan i bought the 90 version and i had this master plan that i was going to shoot no matter what i shot if i was shooting 35 or 6 by 9 those are the same ratios so like if, yeah. uh, so I could make all the prints the same, the same ratio. And then there'd be, uh, when I'm showing stuff, it wouldn't feel like different in any way. It would all feel like it was all shot the same way. Obviously, you know, you get much more detail and intensity with, with a medium format camera. So I would like to invent a six by nine that works really well. That's one thing I wouldn't mind. And then, <laughs> you know, I always, I always bullshit about getting an eight by 10 and yeah. Okay. And yeah, I have a four by five and I barely ever use it. And I think it's because, uh, the medium format just, I really like the, the ease of use and yeah, but an eight by 10 would be really nice to take for a ride and see how it all Mm -hmm. feels. Yeah. 
I don't know. I agree. It's got to be it's got to be so much different than four by five. I feel like eight by ten just takes it to that whole like other level of things. I agree. I always forget about that when I think about like my my dream camera is I forget about large format. Yeah. An eight by ten. Yeah. Yeah. What what was well, then what is your dream camera? Man, I have so many. But, I, you know, I really ha! I really would love just like a classic black breast out M6 with, you know, like a 35 millimeter lens on it. That's probably like my my dream dream, which is, you know, it's definitely doable. It's just I got to yeah. I got to find the right one. And yeah, nothing too crazy. What about you? Um, Probably I'm back and forth between the M6 and the M7. Yeah. Why the M6? I'm wondering, like, is what ratio is that? Also, I I've, I know it exists, and I never looked into it. Is that square? The Leica M6. Oh, the M6. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> That's okay. I I was thinking of the, the Mamiya. Mamiya 6. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the Mamiya Six is so, six by six. It is square. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like that's my that's my setup. Is I have well, it's an M7 or a Mamiya 7, so it's kind of like I feel yeah, like, I yeah. I have a lot of cameras, and we've talked about. The, I wouldn't get rid of them, but I just like the idea of like you know traveling with one camera. Like this is the one camera that I always have. You know. Yeah, I have. So I have a Konica. What the hell is it? The R f or i can't remember whatever whatever the one is that has lenses you can take off and it takes it takes m mount lenses i think that is the r i have yeah. yeah so i have that one and uh it's uh my backup in case my leica shits the bed a little bit i've had some winding issues with it and i enjoy that camera because it also has auto auto winding Ooh. and stuff like that so it's kind of like oh mm-hmm. this is fun it's like so so fancy <laughs> um and uh uh but that thing has like the biggest like you you look at it wrong and the rangefinder gets out of whack and it, your Ugh. focus gets all fucked. Yeah. So I've actually like I've realized that I'm more and more just stripping down to just those two cameras, and uh, it makes things easy. But then you know, like I said, I was looking at all those digital ones just to kind of see what's going on in the world because you got to do something, you know. Yeah. So, it's good to check in on that every once in a while. Yeah. Too. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, yeah. Well, cool. Good, good answers. Good answers. Ah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Clint, this has been awesome. Thanks for joining us and thanks for coming back. We, yeah. we were, uh, we're excited to, to have you back on the show. We were so bummed uh, the last time. I know. That it wouldn't ridiculous. be an analog talk show if we didn't have technical difficulties. <laughs> exactly. right? We didn't have crazy difficulties. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Where can everybody um, check you out and your stuff, Deadbeat Club stuff? Uh, probably, you know, well, my website and is just clintwoodside.com and my instagram is just clintwoodside at the instagrams yep. Yep. you know yeah. <laughs> uh and then deadbeat club uh you know we got our online shop and everything which is just deadbeatclubpress.com and basically if you're interested in what we're up to our instagram is the best way to like be up to date on the latest like we do have an email list and everything and we do send emails from like probably we try not to go over once a month but I am about to take a workshop on email marketing. Ooh, nice. See, like, what? Yeah. I've gotten, like, really mindful about that stuff. And because I'm always, I'm always really nervous about being like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. Yeah. Like, yeah I don't yeah. want to be, like, an annoying nag. So, but I'm, like, taking, I, I want to, like, take 
classes and make sure I'm doing, I'm a businessman now. I got to do it. I got to do it right. But yeah, you can see us at uh, deadbeatclubpress.com and our Instagram is just deadbeatclub. And uh, those are the two best ways to find us. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Timothy? Guys, you can find me over on Instagram at Timothy Makeups. I'm also bringing back my YouTube series. I've, I've kind of changed it around a little bit. It used to be called A Day in a Life, but I'm just keeping it, you know, We Believe in Film, kind of the hashtag I've been using for a long time. So look for that. I have an update video going to drop, I would say, Sunday. I'm going to make my upload days on Sundays just to make it Yay. easier. Because Sundays are... Coming back. Yeah, Sundays are a sleepy day and a good day to just kind of like sit back and watch stuff. But yeah, just uh, go to the search bar on YouTube.com and just search Timothy.makeups. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff over there. Chris, where are you at? So I'm Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and... YouTube. I make YouTube videos as, as well, although I got to get back to it. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. You guys can follow us there. And we have a Facebook page that you could like and a group that you can join and share stuff and ask questions and all that stuff too. Um, yeah, that's it for us. Clint, this is Thanks, awesome. Clint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Good times. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. First off, we want to thank Clint for being on the show. Clint, this was great. I'm so glad we finally made it through one of these. And it was awesome getting to hear kind of from start to finish Deadbeat Club and, you know, your views on printing and your photography. And it was just awesome. I'm I'm glad we made it through this because, like we said before, we had a catastrophic failure the last time we tried to record and we, we just didn't get through it. You know, as Chris and I always say, it wouldn't be a recording of Analog Talk without some sort of catastrophe happening happening but uh yeah that brings us to our patreon like i said earlier in the show during our commercial break uh you know we got a bunch of new stuff coming the official launch of the patreon will be in the beginning of february we're going to be doing some video stuff it's going to be awesome uh really nailing out the live stream group hangs da 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 you know all the fun stuff that we've always talked about we're finally pulling through we're also going to be naming and listing our patreons for every episode including new and i'm excited i'm i'm really excited about the launch of the new patreon so but yeah until next week it's great to be back man season three here we go and uh we'll see you next week with an all-new episode later when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply